Jerry had said we'll take it game by game regarding your job status. Do you think this could lead to a coaching change? Um, I think the biggest thing is, you know, we're we're disappointed. Um, I got a whole whole team in the in the locker rooms. It's that's hurting, and uh, that's you know I, I haven't thought past you know the outcome of this game. Yeah, he's been amazing. Um, I, I don't know how they can be, but I understand the business. Uh, in, in that case, it should be about me as well, honestly. I mean, that, that guy, I've had the season that I've had because of him. Um, we, this team has had the success that they've had because of him. And uh, I understand it's about winning the Super Bowl. And, and that, that's the standard of the league and damn sure the standard of this place. So um, I get it, but add me to the list in that case. This is uh, one of my most surprises since I've been involved in sport, period. I won't get into uh, any uh, of the uh, addressing of any aspects of any part of it, from uh, the coaching to the players to what's around the corner. Uh, uh, on a personal basis, I'm, I'm full. Oh, boy. Unbelievable developments on Sunday in Dallas. 16 straight wins at home. They had last lost at home week one of the 2022 season when Tom Brady and company went in there. I think that was a Sunday night game on NBC and won that game. Dak Prescott broke his thumb, his hand that game. And every other game since then, they've won. Win. And they got the doors blown off. 48-32 does not do it justice. It was a blowout no, with some garbage like time touchdowns. is really... After they put the uh, Sean Clifford in and then brought him... It's like, you know what? It's a two-score game. We better, get, we better get Jordan Love back on the field. But 48-32 doesn't do it justice. It was a blowout. It was an embarrassment. It was 27 nothing before we even knew what was going on. This was... As bad of an outcome as the Cowboys have had since Jerry Jones owned the team because it was it, you were set up to assume the Cowboys are going to win and then they'll have the Lions come back next week and we'll have another exciting game. And no, no, forget about it. You're done. That's it. That's the moment. 27 nothing. That's it. It's over. It's done with 150 left in the first half. And it's a bitter pill for them to swallow. And, and Mike McCarthy said something about it, like nobody saw this coming. Well, you're the guy who's supposed to see it's coming. You're the guy who's supposed to worry that it could happen. And you're the guy that's supposed to prepare for every possible eventuality. I think when the head coach of a team that loses like that says nobody saw this coming, you're signing your own pink slip. Well, Because you're the guy that's supposed to see it coming. I, I hear you. I, I mean, li- listen, you heard me all last week. I just, I, I said, you know, I was a chicken. I picked the Cowboys to win. You heard me all last week. I said that they match up well with the Cowboys. If there's an upset to happen this week in the playoffs, right? It was this game. There was some things there that you could see to go, ooh, Green Bay is a little dangerous. Let alone, hey, like you're talking about, you should see this coming. Jerry Jones has got to start taking a little bit of accountability for the team and what he says in the message and knowing that that has a direct effect on the football team and can affect how they play and how they prepare during the week. And that, to me, is also the other issue here. I mean, again, we're going to get into the X's and O's, but I don't like that Jerry Jones sets up the whole week and starts last week off with, well, the guy that went 12-5 and five and we're the number two seed, we're going to go week by week. To say that, and that's the message to the locker room as they're preparing for the biggest game of the year, is a horrible message to give as a leader of the organization. Hey, the guy that led you all year and is the general of the ship, guys, if he doesn't do that good that this week, he's done. 
I mean, wow, you really empowered that general. Thanks. Thanks, Jerry. That, that to me, is the first thing he did. And then he, he adds expectations on top of that with making commas during the week, too. This is our best chance in a long time and blah, blah, blah. You know, sometimes you're part of the reason the psyche of the football team. And the psyche of the football team looked like the Green Bay came out with like, oh gosh, this is the playoffs and we got fear and we got to go pedal to the metal. And Dallas came out looking like, ah, we're the Cowboys and we're home like Mike Florio said and we don't ever lose and we're going to put on a show because we're at home. Bam, bam, bam. Oh crap, we just got hit with three haymakers and the game's over. And they were, yeah, I, you know, outclassed yesterday from start to start to finish but in all facets of the football game. The red flag went up last Sunday after the Cowboys Cowboys beat the Commanders to nail down the two seed, and Jerry Jones was asked about Mike McCarthy's job security. Right. He made the comment about, we'll see how each playoff game goes. And then when he was on 105.3 The Fan on Tuesday well, he tried to Dallas, say he was taken out of context. He, he tried to blame the media, and it's like, look, no, you said it, Jerry. Here's the bottom line, the tape. But here's the bottom line. If you say something like that yeah. that puts a dark cloud over your team as they're getting ready for the playoffs, you don't wait until you're pressed about it at the tail end of a 20-minute interview on Tuesday. You get the word out right away. You get a press release out right away. Some reporters have mischaracterized my comments about Mike McCarthy. Let me say in no uncertain terms, he is our coach, and he will continue to be our coach. He has won 12 games each of the last three regular seasons. Any talk of Mike McCarthy not being here is ludicrous. No matter what happens on, on Sunday, he is our coach. That's how you put the fire out. Yeah. And when you don't put the fire out, the fire spreads. And you're right. It creates. And I don't know if Jerry Jones kind of wants this outcome so he can go get Bill Belichick. But I'll tell you what, you know, your comments about how Jerry Jones conducts himself twice a week, all the stuff he says, writing checks that they can't cash. I think Bill Belichick can accept the fact that Jerry and Stephen Jones and Will McClay are going to put the roster together because they've done a great job of yeah, it. Right. But there's going to be some stuff that Bill's like, hey, Jerry, yeah, yeah, Jerry. We can't have State of the Union Jerry, every day. Yeah. Right. Dr- drink me- this glass of sand here. <laughs> you know, Here's some peanut butter and crackers for you to eat. Yeah. Don't be, we can't do this twice a week. Yeah. Or if you're going to do it, there's certain, there's certain boundaries you got to stay between. Exactly. There's certain stuff you can't right. say because it makes it harder for me to do my job. Yeah, that's ex- exactly right. It's harder for me to get the attention of the team, command the team when you know you're always saying something that's basically chopping a leg out from underneath me and my ability to command that football team. Uh, either way, you know it was a game. Uh, yeah, on the field, you know you heard me say I thought Green Bay had a chance in this one. You know, Matt LaFleur was on the staff with Dan Quinn down in Atlanta. He knows that. Joe Barry, my big thing I broke down with you in the podcast, Joe Barry grew up in the basic West Coast offensive system, and that's what Mike McCarthy does. You know, you've heard me complain in the past. Yeah, the, the Cowboys are not creative on the offensive side of the ball. They're aggressive, and they got talent, and that, that gives them a good offense. But I don't sit there and go, oh, whoa, this is a cool play. What a great idea. It's kind of basic. And Joe Barry and the struggling Green Bay defense, you know, because of that, I think we're all over the rules of that offense as well. But the the game plan designing of Matt LaFleur, Jordan loved the big-time throws, especially early on. Made some big throws that got Dallas like, whoa, we got to defend the pass. And then all of a sudden the run game started to break wide open. 
You know, that I think was the big thing. Jordan Love under more pressure, scrutiny, microscope, whatever, than anybody in football over the, this year. And then, of course, the situation he's been in the last few years is not admirable. And to have this year and then go into the playoffs and do this to the Dallas Cowboy, I, I mean, make big throws. That 16 completions for 272. Each one was just a, like, you know, just a crushing blow to the Dallas Cowboys. But here, this is what I mean. This this is what I mean by they had a beat on Dallas all day. Dallas is a little bit of one of those teams, Mike, that you've heard me talk about. It's like, this is what we do, and we're just going to do it. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. Okay, well, they knew what you were going to do, and it's the playoffs, and LaFour is pretty smart, and he came up with a lot of plays to say, oh, I know what you're going to do, and I got some stuff to screw it over. And it was a little bit like the Cleveland-Houston game where they took advantage of the over-aggressive nature of Dallas's defense repetitively, yeah. and they made a lot of big Place. You got 17 games of film to break down, see tendencies. You've set people up with your own ways of doing things. The game planning, I think, is so much more important in the playoffs than people realize. And the question becomes, how deep are you going to dig to to do the little things? It's one play here, it's one play there. And I thought it was brilliant to flip it over to the Packers. I want to give them some credit. Yeah, I, I mean, Green Bay Packers and. You know, from time to time, we have criticized. I know I have criticized the corporate structure there because well, we you don't like have, how they handled the Rogers situation. You don't have totally. the one owner right. who can who can roll out right. of bed and say somebody needs to be fired today, yeah, right? And I'm going to fire or somebody. We got to trade for this guy yeah. and go. All we got to do this right now. We right. we got one person who is the force yeah, we of personality that about Green Bay. But but. There's no denying they can build a team and do it. There's something to be said for rational stability. People who get jobs by qualifications, not based upon the fact that they're related to the owner, right? Somebody who doesn't buy the team just because, and your only qualification, we said this last week, there's no test you take. You just have to have the most money. You, You don't have to know a damn thing about football, and then you're in charge. I think that the corporate structure, there are benefits to it. We've seen it play out. We saw it play out last week in Tennessee. you got to work it out with Mike Vrabel. you got to find a way to coexist with Mike Vrabel. You don't run him out the door because you're upset because he said something nice about the Patriots. That's asinine. But for the Packers, to, they, they knew exactly what they were doing when they drafted Jordan Love. It put a red-hot poker on Aaron Rodgers for a couple of years, two straight MVP seasons, and he had that third year as the starter, and then they make the transition to Jordan Love. Somebody said yesterday, why would Aaron Rodgers want to leave this offense? He, he didn't, didn't want to run he the didn't. offense. He did, but but he they wanted to move on to Jordan Love. Yeah, and he didn't want to. He didn't. This is the other thing too. Rodgers wouldn't let them run this offense. You know, this is something that I've broken down on my podcast a bunch and gone. What would Aaron Rodgers look like if he let Matt Lafleur run the offense? Because this offense is way cooler than the Aaron Rodgers. Let me throw a dink and dunk. Let me throw another dink and dunk. I mean, you're seeing those highlights right there. They got people in motion, people moving everywhere. Every throw is 20 yards down the football field, right? So I, I sit there watching, go, man, what would this offense look like if Aaron Rodgers was at the helm? He blew it. He blew it. Because he, he didn't want to embrace the coach and his ideas and what he brought to the table. And now Jordan Love is taking advantage of it. And he's killing it. I mean, can we go back to those? This is where I, I want to point out some of this where we can go through it a little bit and show you, you know, the, and some of these. And I might ask you guys to slow down here a little bit every now and then, right? But, again, hear this play. This is go. Can you rewind this real quick if you don't mind, just to start this off? You know what they do here, Mike? They make it look like he's running like a deep crosser, right? To hey, uh, it's man to man. Then he comes back out, 
And because Dallas plays so much man-to-man, they're going, teams cross us all the time. Oh, we know they were going to blitz here. Oh, he he got the protection right, right? And there, Stephon Gilmer's going, wait, we're blitzing everybody. He can't hold the ball that long. And no, he can when they know what you're in and he gets the defense. Look at this play. That, Rewind this one, please. You could put number 12 on Jordan Love for this play. You could put Mike Florio out I'm there. Just saying, no, I'm saying it looks like the, the throw oh, the looks throw. like Aaron Rodgers. Right, but again here they know it's over-aggressive Dallas defense. And just rewind it one more time, guys, just a, a snap if you don't mind. They know they got man-to-man here. They know that the linebackers are responsible for the running back and the tight end. If they run, now go ahead and let it play, guys. And as they let run it, their linebackers, of course, wait, they're running the football on us. We got to worry about that. Oh, no, it's the bootleg. Oh, wait. The guy I was supposed to be covering the other way, he snuck out now. And because we're so aggressive and we're always trying to smash everything, we lose sight of who we got. That's almost like a second-level O shit screen. Well, it's really what it is. It's, it is that kind of a play. Exactly right. It's, a, it's a, another version of the O oh crap play. Definitely. But I thought that was apparent throughout the day. Once they got a few completions from Jordan Love and they got the run game going, and we know that Dallas defense is not big and they have issues with a team that can run the ball, all of a sudden everything opened up. And then it became, we got to play man-to-man because we got to load the box. We can't stop the run game. And then it was just you know a free fall after that. And I think the other thing holds true on the other side of the ball, Mike. You know, you look at like, I don't know if we have both interceptions from Dak Prescott, but again, Joe Barry having knowledge of this offense and the slant being so important. Like here. Now, you watch Dallas. This is this is this is an incredible play by Jerry Alexander. I'm not gonna totally like yell at Dak Prescott for this. This is a great play. He should throw the ball over the look at C D Lamb behind him, right? See C D Lamb? He makes the wrong read, but it's not an egregious read, and it's an incredible play. Here's another one where this is they are playing a defense, and if you guys can rewind this here, they are playing a defense where they're ready for it. It's it's four it's three slants on the bottom of the screen here, Mike. Watch this. They do this stuff too much. And Darnell Savage is covering the inside slant, but realizes, wait, I got a guy over there that can help me. I see Dak Prescott's eyes. I know it's CeeDee Lamb over there, and he likes to throw the slant to him. And he comes off it and makes an incredible play. Like you said, this was pretty much the lights-out moment of the football game. And and this is, as Jerry Jones decides what What to do, this is where detail matters. Right, It's almost like when you were talking earlier, this is what the Cowboys do. We always do. It's almost like the college mindset. We just line our guys up. They're better than we're you. We're better. Right. right. And that's why Jerry Jones. That's good for 80% of the year, but not the whole year. I will fully admit that, right. that I have a vested interest in my narrative and everything I've been hearing to come to fruition. We've got Shireen vowing to get Jerry Jones' face tattooed on one ass cheek and Bill Belichick's face tattooed on the other ass cheek if it happens. Jason Garrett and I have a cheeseburger bet on it, which is very important to me because I plan to get a very expensive cheeseburger if and when I win. <laughs> but I want Belichick to go coach the Cowboys. Want I, want, more, I want, want chaos. <laughs> I want a great story. I'm not going to be very happy when the Cowboys are kicking the crap out of everybody. But when you take a team that is so good that the coaching staff can say, just go do your thing. Yeah. And then you throw on top of it somebody who is going to next-level game plan and avoid the kind of telltale signs right. that get exposed. That's what happened to the Vikings when they stepped into the buzzsaw 
and Mike Zimmer admitted it. Hey, you know, we probably got to spend more time game planning. I'm paraphrasing, but, you know, they kind of figure out what you do by the time you get to the NFC Championship round because you've been doing it all year. And teams, because it's a winner go home, they go all in on some of that stuff. They go, we're going to take a chance. We know they like to do this. If they throw us a curveball, okay, we're screwed. But some of these things, they go through their studies, like you're saying, they're going, wait, we got 1,000 plays and 998 of them say they're going to do this in this moment, and they take chances and go all in on those moments. A lot of the time. And that's how an upset happens. Exactly. The team anticipates right. and jumps on it and isn't afraid of having the curveball thrown. They are the curveball. Or throw the curveball. They become the curveball. The exactly right. That's exactly. I think you explained that really well. Uh, and hey, you know, I, I think all of us in the world, I, I sit here with the, the Jerry Jones and Bill Belichick thing and go, yes. I mean, it's two big personalities. Can that work? Right. The personal styles. I know there's great respect when they're not working with each other, but I feel like too here, you know, Jerry might be at an age here where he's just getting desperate. Leon enough. Hess dynamic. Well, a little bit like, yeah, you know what? Okay, okay, I'll let you take control of you know just about everything except you know a few things here and there, and I'm still gonna have a press conference, and we're still gonna be you know on the road show, and I'm gonna take us to every big moment we can possibly in the Dallas Cowboys. But if you can coach the football team, that's great, and. As we've said before, Belichick's not going to go to some rebuild team. He's looking for a team that's like this. It's kind of set up. I mean, one or two players to help me out to make it a difference, and then my coaching will take over. It's almost like the reverse Brady if he goes here. That's what it really feels like. Brady in Tampa was like, hey, we got everything. We just need a quarterback to give us a little polish. It's like the Cowboys here going, hey, we got everything. We just need a coach to give us a little X's and O's advantage on both sides of the ball here, and we'll go. It's it's a fascinating subject. I'm fascinated to see what they're going to do with Mike McCarthy. I'm fascinated to see what the defensive coordinator Dan Quinn's going to do. By all stretches, by all things we know. We're all here in Seattle, Seattle, Seattle. Seattle, it's in the book. Are they going to have the guts? To go, hey, uh, the guy that just let up 48 points and let Jordan Love marching down the field. We're hiring him as the new head coach, Seattle. That's going to be a tough call. So this is going to be very interesting, the ripple effects of this game. I don't know how much stock to put in some of the offshore betting markets yeah. who have the odds out there for some of these. But when you see Mike Vrabel's name creeping up the list in Seattle and you're starting to hear some talk about, you know, I there's no obvious connection between John Schneider and Mike Vrabel. No. but. Again, when Pete Carroll comes out and says Friday it was non-football people that pushed him out, I think non-football people may have a finger in the stew in Seattle. And if you have that happen and you see Dan Quinn give up 48 points, you say, hey, John Schneider, I know you've been carrying around this list all these years of the five five coaches you would hire whenever you're running a team. Sorry, Dan Quinn, we can't hire Dan Quinn. We can't sell that to our fan base. It's it's, it's hard to sell that to your fan base. Exactly, It's going to get it off to a sour no. Right, and he's going to have to overcome a narrative a little bit like Mike McCarthy here with the Dallas Cowboys and what he's had to deal with. Is is just it's going to be a constant like if they start off the season slow on defense next year, it's going to be well. Didn't you watch Dan Quinn in the playoffs last year? Duh! What a stupid hire, right? That's what happens here. And conversely, too, with Mike McCarthy, and I know you heard me say this last night. That, to me, with all the things Jerry Jones has said, the expectations, the fact that they've gone one and three in the playoffs, the fact that you know they've lost one and done in two of those years, and I think they felt like, hey, we were the better team on the field than we lost, right? The first wild card to the 9-7 and seven 40, uh, 49ers that they lost with the quarterback spike and all that. I think they thought that they were clearly the better team that day, and then they blew it. Yesterday, they're, of course, going to feel that way. Jerry just told you it's the most shocking loss he's ever had, right? But with all that, too, and all the talk, 
and the things Jerry said about the head coach and all that, what I said last night is just like the locker room's going to doubt the head coach right now. They are. And next year, if they go 15-2, and two, it's still going to be the locker room going, damn, can this guy pull us through the playoffs? Can he make us? Can we win more than one game? Can we win multiple games? And I think that's a real dynamic in this, too. And look, there may have been a method to the madness from Jerry Jones last week. He may have been turning up the heat a little bit on Mike McCarthy so they don't just coast on what the players can do and let's do what we always do. Let's spend this week busting our asses. Right. Let's spend this week burning the midnight oil. Let's sleep in the office. Let's do everything we can to figure out our own tendencies and throw curveballs. Let's engineer some curveballs into what we've done all year. When that that deep route breaks out, let's break it out instead of run it deep. When we do this formation Self-scout instead of this, let's do this. Right. Yeah, And let's find out what the Packers are doing. Let's crack their code and let's make our code crack proof and let's actually take it next level and set them up and do something that they think we're going to do. And and so by making it clear that Mike McCarthy isn't guaranteed 2024, you challenge him. And look, I don't know how much stock to put in the reporting that we saw. I don't want to doubt Tyler Dunn, but he had some long, lengthy stories about things going sideways between Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers. And there was stuff about you know McCarthy disappearing on Friday afternoons to go get massages. Like, how hard is he really working, especially when we are in the season where you empty the tank, and you go all out for each and every week? Or did they just coast? When he says nobody saw this coming, as I said earlier, it's your job as the head coach to worry about everything. I worry about everything, and I don't have this kind of outcome hinging on what – I worry about everything. I worry about every stupid little thing that can go wrong, and and you know me, At every freaking time that can happen, what about this? What about this? What What about this? this? Are you sure you guys know how to run a show in the back end? I never do that to them. I have full faith. I've never done that once. (laughs) Maybe once. I never have. But but maybe it's a test. And look, I think we overcomplicate things at times. The greatest coach in the history of the NFL is available. He's available to anybody who wants him. You want Glory Hall, Jerry Jones? I know where it is. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't sound It resides good. in New England right now. <laughs> <laughs> and wherever he is right now, yeah. that's your that's guy. Where it is. And, and I'm sorry, but that's the way it works. You want to win at the highest possible level. Mike McCarthy has had his chances, and it's failed. And Dan Quinn, everybody thinks, but Dan Quinn's, Shireen's convinced. One of the reasons she committed to the the bookend tattoos. Yeah, Dan because Dan replace Quinn's going to replace Mike McCarthy. Not, let him out of the not after yesterday. Yeah. Not after yesterday. Is not with Bill Belichick on the sidelines, right? They're I think it's waiting. so obvious. And, and again, it was it was obviously people in New England. There's a reason there's some trepidation. Like we're going to just let this guy fall into. Or, you know, we know what we're doing here. Yeah. We 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 move on from Bill Belichick. There is a chance he's going to fall into Jerry Jones. Are we are we comfortable with this? Yeah, are right. we comfortable with this? Yeah. And I, I I love a great story. I love me some chaos, and I feel like, I mean, how, how, can it, how can it not, how can you, what can you do if you're Jerry Jones and he's getting ready to go on 105.3 The Fan tomorrow morning? You know, that's the Tuesday appearance where it sounds like he's not just rolled out of bed, he's still in bed. Like, how do you convince anyone to get behind doing again what they've just seen the last three years, I, where I, you have a great regular season, where, and then it all blows up when you get to the that, That's the point that I keep coming back to, and that's the point where you know I, I came to last night. You know, yeah, of course, it's all happening, and I'm I was trying to like, wait, how am I going to say this? What I'm going to say, but that that to me is the point. Is they could be at a point here where the team itself 
how can you expect them to totally buy into the coach after some of the stuff that's happened on the field stuff? Of course, he was fighting against it already before he became the Cowboys coach. It was already a social media meme. And, you know, of course, what the coach has said, I mean, the owner has said about him and all that. Uh, disappointing, certainly. But I think back to the biggest thing, too, is Green Bay, Jordan Love. The offense, Matt LaFleur. I mean, the first year, as much as we're talking about Mike McCarthy and others, the first year without one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. They go on a run late in the year. The quarterback's hot as hell. The offense is hot as hell. I think we got some Aaron Jones stuff, too, that we could show, certainly, that I thought, I mean, Aaron Jones, what a player he is. And to your point where you said they're dangerous, they got nothing to lose, like you said. They're going to just go, hey, let's try this play. San Francisco's better than us, but so what? Nobody expects us to win. Let's try it out. And, of course, they got an offensive line that can pose problems for anybody in football. And they got it going right now. Aaron Jones is the fourth game in a row for 100-plus yards. Nobody told this guy he's 205 pounds. He runs like he's 240. And then, of course, he's got the speed to, to break it wide open. He was phenomenal throughout the day and of course went back to what we've talked about with Dallas Dallas's middle linebackers are below average Dallas doesn't have enough big people up front to stop teams like that uh, but between him Jordan Love the young receivers the O-line some of the young talent they got on defense uh, I mean they're playing with house money in Green Bay the future looks great and, the, and of course they're not even out of the present here yet it's time we all start giving more appreciation and respect to Matt LaFleur they don't want us to disclose our AP awards ballots prematurely but I will say this Matt LaFleur is on mine. Yeah. He's on mine. Good. And he needs to be on more. Yeah. And he needs to be recognized this year, especially first year post Aaron Rodgers to do what they did. And, and all the years, folks, we're seeing the full bloom of the Aaron Rodgers experience for Matt LaFleur to have harnessed that and gotten that guy motivated and pointed in the right direction that is not an easy psychological exercise we, we all, were saying that back all, then when, when they it were all going, started yeah. all that passive aggressive bull crap Audibles, playing the media motions, oh all that. i've been doing this 15 years i know better than the coaching staff well i should be allowed to change plays at the line of scrimmage i shouldn't be hamstrung by two options he took that public and he won and lafleur was smart to back off because I got, I, got a, I got a bigger play here. I'll give him this one. Yeah. Now I know what I'm dealing with. So we need to appreciate what Matt LaFleur has been able to do with this team because he has tiptoed around the delicate genius for three years, and now, for, for longer than that, four years. And now this year he gets the guy who runs the offense the way he wants, and look what it's doing, and yeah. watch out 49ers. It's not going to be as easy as you think. All right, we've got to go to break. One last point, though. Cowboys players – be careful what you wish for if Bill Belichick shows up because it will be a different experience. Hey, yeah, I think sure. back to when Parcells got the job. It was in the early years of PFT, and one of the nuggets that we posted at the time yeah. had to do with what Parcells did in the players' lounge. He he turned the air conditioning it permanently, like I does. do when I walk in every Monday. Yeah. Turned it way up. He does that in the training room, out, too. He to doesn't keep, want you yeah. lounging in the video he, game room. Yeah, that's right. 
He tur- it's going to be extra cold. Not quite as cold as it was in Kansas City on Saturday night, players, but get ready. Oh, if they have a room like that now and Bill Belichick comes to town, he's going to, I mean, come on. Are you, are you effing kidding me? What is, are we playing football here or is this Disneyland? Get this crap out of here. There's no chance. <laughs> it won't be as cold as it was in Kansas City, though. And when we return, frozen mustaches, cracked helmets, none of it kept the Chiefs from advancing to the next round. More PFT Live right after this. It was it was cold. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. It was it was cold, but I think at the end of the day, you gotta just be mentally tough enough to just say that it's not gonna affect how we play. That's not gonna affect my effort. If something doesn't work, I'm gonna come back the next time and keep firing. Everybody out here was playing for each other, so it was just like uh, you know we just put the weather to the side and knew that the team, you know, our opponents didn't want to be here, you know, out here in this cold as much as we didn't. So we just took it to the chin and showed our love for the game. It was Rasheed Rice playing in the very, very cold, the absolute cold, the mustache. Look at the walrus freezing. here. Look at the cold. walrus. Well, walruses don't get cold in the North Pole. Well insulated. Dolphins don't like the North Pole. Dolphins don't like the North Pole. The blowhole, <laughs> the blowhole freezes up on the dolphins. Oh, it was so that amazing. Was, that was historic, and it was one of the coldest games ever in the NFL. It ended up being like the fourth coldest at kickoff. Yeah. When the Bills-Steelers game got moved to Monday, a lot of people were saying to me, why don't they move the Chiefs game to Sunday at once? Like, did you see the forecast for Sunday? (laughs) The only difference is daylight. That's it. It's still going to be ridiculously cold. And Patrick Mahomes is impervious to any of that stuff. You saw him thrown in the snow four years ago when we were in Indianapolis. Was it four or five years ago? Yeah, four years ago. Five. Oh, it was five. You're it was right. Five. You're right. It was. They didn't go five years ago. Like, four years ago, we were in San Francisco. Yeah. Five years ago, it was in uh, Kansas City in the snow. And and I think he becomes hyper aware of his legacy. He's chasing Tom Brady. You only have so many shots at this. Nothing is going to slow him down. The cold isn't going to slow him down. The wind, the snow, the helmet shattering. Right in the cold, something we've never seen what, before. Wait, this, 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 let's 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 debunk this right away. First off, there was something wrong with this helmet. It doesn't have to do with the cold. The guy who hits with their helmet the less, the least on the field, doesn't get his helmet broke just all the well, sudden. Cold. It had to have been because of the cold. It I had that, to have been because of the cold. I, I, I'm gonna go on. All the times I've seen him throw his helmet onto the ground this year. <laughs> that might have okay? something to do and with it too. Taking an abuse. That might have something right? to do with I it mean, too. I mean, if Nick Bolton is not having a cracked helmet and he's cracking people with his head the whole game. The cold didn't affect that. There was a malfunction. That was crazy. I've never seen that happen yeah. before. That was yeah, that, and that, that's something that I've asked the league. Yeah, that was a weird protocol because you're yeah. like, man, you're going to take him out of the game. How many plays are you leaving him out here? And all and that. And he's got his helmet broken. Right. And then they like couldn't find a helmet to fit right. It was and, frozen, he said. And, and by and the he couldn't time, get it on. Well, and by the time it was done, like – I don't think it's good to have the face mask bar pressed right like up against that. your nose. Yeah, yeah. Like, right. uh, yeah, that was that was awkward. And the, the NFL hasn't answered my question because I don't think they want to. This is one of those where they just don't want to talk well, about it. This is it. where I think the NFL, in, in, in my, again, I know, but you know I love football and been a student of the game for a long, long time. Stop the game for 30 seconds yeah. and let them get an effing helmet. Yeah. Like, Let's not take out the best player because there was an equipment malfunction or something that we've never seen before. Can we have some common sense a little? The quarterbacks, they all have two helmets because of the coach-to-quarterback communication. So, hey, bub, bub, bub. 
stop. Hey, go get your other helmet. Put it on. Like, let's let's not like take out the biggest best player in football and the biggest moment there. You know, for that when we know there's another helmet that can just be thrown on him in a in a gif. Or, or not, as the case may be. They may have to do some surgery right. on the helmet to get <laughs> right. it together. But I think this is one of the byproducts of playing a game in that cold. The brain doesn't think the way it normally does. Yeah. You, you aren't as sharp. You aren't as quick. You're frozen. Like, and you freeze, literally, in those situations. Here's Mahomes after the game talking about whether he's ever had a helmet crack before. I have not. I'm sure it had to do with it being really cold. Um, but... Yeah, I, I knew. I didn't know what happened at the, in the moment, but I got in the huddle and everybody was telling me. And I was like, I, I got y'all, but I'm not coming out the game. So we could figure it out on the sideline. So I was hoping we scored. Obviously, we didn't end up getting in the end zone, but uh, yeah, it was a first for me. They have a backup that's out there. We got to talk about where, where we store the backup because it was like frozen. So like when I tried to put it, when I tried to put it on, it was completely frozen. I couldn't get it on. I don't know if anyone got a picture of it. It didn't look great. Um, but uh, we were able to adjust it on the sideline, get it kind of warmed up a little bit, um, and uh, get, get rolling from there. <laughs> so, yeah. it, 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 it hurts really, when it's like that. It really was a, a unique moment. It, and it was. was fitting because it was, it was a unique night in, right. in Kansas City. But, you know, forget about the regular season record. Forget about the struggles. Yeah. The Chiefs know this is where they use their experience. This is where they let it fly. This is where Patrick Mahomes – becomes, as I said earlier, keenly aware of what yeah. he's chasing. Right. He's chasing Tom Brady's seven. You got to get to three before you can even get close to seven. And every year he's in the playoffs until he gets his third Super Bowl win. Every year he gets there is his chance at getting to number three. Yeah, I mean, come on, he's he's as special as we've ever seen. I mean, he's he's. I mean, he passed Aaron Rodgers for all-time playoff wins yesterday. I mean, he he just got in the league. It feels like he's already passed Aaron Rodgers. It's insane. I mean, they're on the cusp of him and Kelsey breaking Gronk and Brady's playoff touchdown record. The guy is unbelievable. And he's got the laser focus, the grit, the determination to go along with the talent, the mental IQ to get him in the right play, the right check every play. And, you know, it felt like the other night, right? You know, the Chiefs, they're built for playoff football with the way they uh, they play right now. And I feel like they finally embraced who they were a little bit, right? You've heard me say the whole year, like, run, play through the defense, throw some screens, and just Mahomes will make magic a few times, and that's all you need yep. to do. It doesn't. You're not going to be 400 yards throwing 50-yard touchdown passes all the time and, and five touchdowns. That's not who they are this year, right? But they are a physical football team. And we know, you know, they impose that physical will on the Dolphins. The Dolphins, come on. You know, I think Devin McCourty said it right, right? We were in the pregame, and he's like, the fact that the Dolphins have to keep telling you that they're not bothered by the cold tells you they're bothered by the cold, right? The Chiefs weren't going, hey, we're okay, we're okay, we're okay. Everybody that that came on the telecast and said, hey, we talked about the Dolphins, they said they're ready to go. The cold's not that bad. Uh, That tells you that it was in their head to begin with, right? And we knew there was issues there. Their game was not conducive to that element, and let alone we knew they were a team that we've always said they play phone booth, physical football. The game never works out well for them. Phone Phone box, box, right. (laughs) Phone box for our, our friends in the U.K., Right. That's not for them. And Kansas City knew how to defend them. They made the game physical, ugly, and you know they never let it become a track meet for the Miami Dolphins, and they struggled on the offensive side of the ball all if night. If the Bills win later today, the Chiefs will go on the road in the playoffs We've never for seen the first this. time yeah, since crazy. Mahomes became the right. starter. Right. 
And they've only played, there's been six games between the Bills and the Chiefs since Mahomes and Allen got together. Right. One time. One time in Buffalo. COVID. And the Chiefs won. On Tuesday and, night. That's right. And right? the Chiefs won. But there were no fans there. Yeah. But the other five games have all been in Arrowhead Stadium, and uh, it's it it'll be it'll be something. That game is slated if it happens that way with the Bills winning. That'll be the last game of division round weekend on Sunday night after our game, either the Buccaneers or the Eagles at the Lions yeah. on Sunday afternoon. The Dolphins, yeah, where do they go from here? Uh-huh. We've talked about toughness, right? Right. What more does Tua need to do? He's entering his fifth year option. I don't know that they. They put a big number on the table. I'd put some number out there if I'm them just what? to see if he takes it. A hundred. He deserves a contract, right. but that doesn't mean he deserves to be the highest paid player in football. Exactly. They're crazy if they do. They're crazy. I would offer to a something mid-level money. Go. Here you go. Show me who's going to give you more. Right? Again, Tua had a great year. We know that. I understand that. I think the thing that they're going to have to figure out is how much is Tua and how much is the offense, the play calling, the all-stars he has around him. I think that's the big thing. Again, the reason the prior regime was looking to trade and get another quarterback from Tua was for the reason we saw on Saturday night. There was a belief in that building that in December and January, when the elements are cold, right, and you got to throw the ball through wind and the ball's slick and all that, that that Tua can't play in those elements. And that's certainly fair to question it after what we saw the other night. I mean, there was very few quality footballs. The ball hung in the air forever. He has a below-average NFL starting quarterback arm, let alone you go into those elements that he becomes worse. So I'm definitely not backing up the Brinks truck for Tua, right? I am going to go play more of, hey, here's a good, respectable contract. We want to build a team around you. Do you want to be the starting quarterback here in Miami? If not, good luck. Go ahead. Tell me who out there is going to pay you more than this. And I think they just got to find the right touch there with what that that number is. We were all surprised when they picked up the fifth-year option because it made it fully guaranteed the moment they exercised it. Right. We thought a lot of that had to do with not shattering his confidence. The mentality, the me- right. right. Because right. he was so beaten down by the prior right. coaching staff. At, whether it was fair that he was beaten down or not, it doesn't matter. Sure. He was beaten down. Sure, right. And they're propping him up. Right. It's only $23.1 million for one more year. I mean, they could kick the can one more year and then decide what to do. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, to me, I would not I would not negotiate against ourselves and throw out some big number to go – you know, here's $40 million a year. Nobody else would even offer you anything close to it, but we'll give it to you just because we drafted you. You know, I, I literally think you, you offer them $25 million a year on a whatever, three- or four-year contract to maybe where you can get after it, get out after, of it after a year or two, I, I'd go, right, tell me who else is going to offer you that. Almost who? like a Geno Smith deal. I agree. A year-to-year deal. Right. And go, here it is. It's good money. You're still, obviously, to the whole team, the highest paid guy. You're the leader of our team, all of that. But we're not going to you know, ruin the, 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 how we've organized this team in totality just to give you a big money contract and make you look good in the public eye to go, oh, look, he's a top five paid quarterback. That's where Miami's going to have to uh, figure out how they want to approach this. And here's what was alarming to me. Yeah. Because his strongest suit is he can run this offense. And I don't think we should underestimate that. We saw early on in the year some of the different plays and the throws. Sure, sure. He can can make it all happen. Yeah. After the loss on 
Saturday night, he was asked about some of the late season offensive struggles, whether it's third downs, just all. And he used the term communication four times during the press conference, talking about issues with communication. Well, who is the center piece of the communication efforts and is it the plays not getting in fast enough is it he's not getting the play communicated they don't have time to make checks at the line of scrimmage because it's it almost sounds like what they've been dealing with in denver the past couple of years whose fault is it they better diagnose that is it tua is it mike mcdaniel is it somebody else is it the teammates but when he mentions communication four times when he's asked these questions that aren't even about communication. Yeah. What are the offensive struggles? Why have you communication? What about third down? <clears throat> communication. What about this? Communication. I've mentioned communication. Communication. You, it, that to me is alarming because, you know, you want to think what's your next step. You hear something like that and you think, well, we, we, better, we better be careful or we're going to regress here because th- things, things that we should have taken care of maybe aren't taken care of. Yeah, I, 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 they're, they're definitely got a tinker there, right? And I think what he was trying to say too, and I think this happens sometimes when you have a, you know, a big time play call or the plays are long. We got two plays in the huddle. We got a lot of motions and shifts to talk about. Wait, which one? I'm a little late getting it in. Now we got to do all these shifts, the motions, all that. Oh no, the clock's ticking down. I now I can't check to the other play you wanted, or I can't, you know, get Don't out see of the where play the pressure's coming from right, because I'm down to the the last seconds of the the play clock, and they certainly got to get that figured out. Definitely, I think. I think all in all, though, they just got to become a tougher, grittier football team, right? That's what we talked about all year. That was the issue. We looked at it and said, anytime the game gets kind of slow, ugly, and physical, the Dolphins kind of melt away. And, you know, they didn't melt away on this one. They froze away in this one against a team that we know knows how to play playoff physical football. And the Chiefs, they're as much as they're here and they're going to be a tough out if they play the way they played the other night. Even in that, you know, that game, we, the Chiefs still chiefs a little bit, right? The yeah. drop passes, McCole Hardman, the ball falls at his feet, and it's like, well, just stick your arms out. You're going to catch the ball for a 60-yard gain. The screen pass, and there's a legal block in the back. He didn't even need to do that, right? They made some mistakes still to where you go, like, they should have been up 27-7 to probably at halftime. Either way, though, their physical defense, how well they're coached there, the offensive line's pretty damn good. If they continue to be patient on that side of the ball and Mahomes will make magic, uh, Ravens, whoever, they're going to have their hands full with the Chiefs when they play that style of football. That's going to be fun to watch. Two things they need to do. Yeah. One, they need more of those 49ers-style roll-out of bed the and run talking through about, the wall. Yeah, the Dolphins yeah, need that. Right. They need more of that mentality. Right. And number two, and this sounds ridiculously superficial, but this is how they present themselves to their opponents. They need to go back to those uniforms from the 70s. Those uniforms from the 70s are far more intimidating. Right. They are far more badass yeah. than the pastels and the swirly dolphin. I'm telling you, you want to be tougher, you're going to feel – you say it all the time. Yeah, appearance you is want part to, of You it. want to be tougher, you're going yeah. to feel tougher. They need to go back to those old uniforms. They will be tougher. They will feel tougher, and their opponents will regard them as tougher if they wear those all the time. All right, let's take a break. The Texans were looking pretty tough. Very tough. Ooh, you had a good call by you. Yeah. Blind Squirrel was eating an acorn on Saturday. More PFT Live right after this. CJ is the reason why we're in this position. He's special. Special young man. Special player. Continues to shine no matter how big the moment is. Like Our whole team is leaning on him. And he has the shoulders to carry that weight. And he shows up week after week. He continues to improve week after week. 
uh, no moment is too big for him. And when you have a, a young player who can shoulder the load of your team and the way the team is behind him, the confidence that he gives our entire team, it's so cool to watch. All right, because he's such a special player and you know he has, has a special season, and we're looking forward to keep moving on. D'Amico Ryan's first-year head coach of the Houston Texans on his rookie quarterback, C.J. Stroud. Fun to watch. We yeah. didn't get to see him on a big stage until last Saturday right. night when the Texans had a de facto playoff game against the Colts, and he delivered. And there they were. Browns coming to town. Browns favored. Browns is the Browns looking like they're ready to make Chris a Super Sims Bowl is run. Talking all we about wanted, him. I wanted Joe Flacco to go back to Baltimore in the worst way. And, you know, similar to what we saw in Dallas, right. Texans jumped on him early. It looked like it was going to be a shootout. And then the Texans just started to develop some distance. And it was just a matter of time before Flacco turned into a pumpkin. And, and look, you were preaching all week, dial it back. But I think from Cleveland's perspective, why would we stop doing what got us here? I know. But I think the magnitude right. of those mistakes in a playoff game is so significant, so much greater than a regular season game, so much harder to overcome it. When that, when that finally started, the floodgates opened, and the Texans, to their credit, they, they did – to the Browns, what you kind of thought the Browns would do to them? Yeah, I did, definitely. I mean, I, I did, it, but 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 you know, almost like you talked about with like Dallas and you know, like did they not see this coming and all that? That's the I tried to kind of say that with Cleveland in the pregame. That like, like you can't be that aggressive. Did you did you really think that? You know, again, the team that lost to you a few weeks earlier wasn't going to come back and go, whoa, we got to change something here. You know, we got to drastically, you know, change our approach and do something else. And, whoa, it's Bobby Slowick, and he comes from Shanahan, and they're outside-the-box thinkers, and they'll take some chances and do some things there, right? I'd been preaching, yeah, Rain and Flacco, but I would even have said on the podcast and all that, as much as I love the Browns' defense, it doesn't always have to be annihilation. Every now and then you can go, hey, here's five yards. We're going to just be, you got five yards. We're not going to give you up to 75 yards. And uh, that, that, to me, was the big thing. It felt a lot like the Dallas game in that aspect, that Cleveland's so over-aggressive that every big play we show, and I, I know we got some highlights here of the Texans and C.J. Stroud, is basically, look, fake the toss to the right. Everybody's over here. Now there's one guy backside to tackle for the wide receiver screen. Touchdown, Texans. Hey, fake the run. Look, everybody's at the line of scrimmage. The guy that was supposed to be covering him got fooled by this guy who was blocking for a few seconds, and then he runs in to go get the quarterback because that's what Cleveland does. Another play where they went, we know what you're going to do. We're going to take advantage of it. Same thing here oh oh you're gonna play cover four and be aggressive on us well we're gonna screw over your cover four we know that's what you're gonna play against this formation and then so you add on Bobby Slovak to a guy that we're watching become a superstar right in front of our eyes right I mean it feels Mahomes Dan Marino ish whatever to where you just go it's it's the first year of the guy's career and he's arguably one of the five best quarterbacks in football already I mean that's how damn good he is he's given that whole organization you know, uh, the confidence, like D'Amico Ryan said, and that was just an incredible performance and an, an ass-whooping that they put on the Cleveland the, the, Browns. The one team that most would have said, if not all would have said, had no chance to even make the playoffs, all those years of dysfunction, the yeah. Deshaun Watson stuff. Right. And they, they, even though they didn't suffer as long as the Lions fans did, they, they suffered mightily. Yeah. And now they get 
I saw this on Twitter last night. They've got five playoff wins since entering the league in 2002. In that same time frame, the Cowboys have four. Wow. So. Oh. Cowboys might be America's team. <laughs> Houston is Texans. Team. <laughs> yeah. And they're going to go to Kansas City or Baltimore this right. weekend. And look out. Well, they're scary. They're look out, Kansas City. It's a little bit City. like Green Bay where they're going to go, wait, we're nobody expects us to be here. Let's take a chance on this play. Let's throw another deep pose. Let's go for it. You know, let's try, call a trick play. That's what's going to be scary. And then with that guy, a quarterback, and a guy like that devising the offensive game plan, all of a sudden, you know, that, that is a scary thing. Whoa, they're doing a lot. Whoa, you know, they can run the ball. The play actions, you know, the, the ability to throw the ball down the field. Uh, and then, of course, D'Amico, Ryan, and, and them adjusting. But, you know, there is one team who said, wait, it's the playoffs. we got to change how we play a little bit. And the Browns just came in. You know, meatheads, this is what we're going to do. We don't care. And that was what I kept yelling about the Browns. Like, you know, this, this, oh, this play is going to come back and bite you in the butt if you continue to play like this against the better teams in football. And Houston, you know, of course, taught them a lesson and, and uh, beat, beat them up pretty good on hey, Saturday. I mean, look, the Packers are going to San Francisco, the one seed. They were off. They kind of took their foot off the gas week 18. Yep. They're going to have to get it started yep. again, and the Packers are feeling good. They're feeling loose. They're feeling confident. And if the Texans go either place, but especially Baltimore, Ravens, same thing. Took the foot off the gas week 18. Yeah. It's going to be a challenge. And they did play week one in Baltimore. Yeah, it was right. the first game of the season. Texans lost 25-9, to but it was close, it was close for that. a while. They hung in there. It was close they for did. a while, and right. they pulled away at the end. And Stroud was... 28 for 44 for 242 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. That was his NFL debut, but it was a close game. It was kind right. of like, hey, what's wrong with the Ravens? They right. should be winning this game more right. easily. All right, we'll talk a little bit about the Browns when PFT Live continues right after this. The Browns is the Browns. I think it was – I was so fortunate to become a part of this team. It's a special group, and I know a lot of people can say that, but – um, it, it really is. Uh, so to be given a chance to 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 do this with those guys, um, you know, I'm super grateful for it. Joe Flacco, special time, special season. November 20 is the day he was signed to the practice squad. At one point, he was the starting quarterback of the Browns and not on the roster. He had reverted back to the practice squad, but we've seen it. All year. There's only so much time before the chariot turns into a pumpkin on these backup quarterbacks. They're backups for a reason. He was unemployed for a reason. After you get a few games of film out there, you figure out what to do. You get into higher stakes like this. And and he played well early on, but there was always that shakiness. There was a throw. There were a couple throws. I was like, Yeah, you're like, Oh man, that's oh. dicey. Right, yeah. right. But yeah, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised why what happened because I thought in that moment it was just time. As much as I wanted to see the Browns go back to Baltimore and I wanted to see Flacco play the Ravens, I just I didn't feel like it was in the cards. Well, it, and, and the the way the game unfolded and the fact that it became a shootout a little bit and you know, something we had talked about a lot towards the end of the season, them throwing the ball 45 times with Joe Flacco was not the, the recipe to get you to the Super Bowl or win you play all football games. You know, I think ultimately, hey, they're, they're, they lost their tackles. That was a big deal. They lost their backup tackles to a degree. So that really affected their ability to run the football. And, you know, I think that's where, again, you talk about teams and overall team and the offense needs to match the defense to play complementary football, 
right? That's where it just the Browns didn't make sense in that department to me. They should have been more of like, let's take the ugly approach. Let's play through the defense a little bit. But it was just always pedal to the metal on both sides of the football. And when you get to Flacco, right, to me, here this was the biggest play of the game. Fringe field goal territory, first and 10. You're down by 10. You kick a field goal. The game is still competitive. You're still in it. This was the you, you can't win the game on this play, but you can lose it. And that's exactly what happened to the Cleveland Browns. Now, here, slow it down, guys, here. And again, this is the over-aggressive nature of Cleveland. And we know Joe Flacco has this in him already. But look, they're running a slant and go out to the left to Elijah Moore. He's got it. He knows he's got it. But this is, the, this is why I was always saying rein it in with Flacco. Because when you call these type of plays, even with somebody hanging on him, he's going, I'm going to still try to throw it. I got it. And, of course, it becomes an interception. And, of course, they have the desperation fourth and two. It was a bad route. It's a bad throw. All of it. Pick six, night-night, see you later. Cleveland and the Houston Texans are off and running. But disappointing for Cleveland. Great finish to the season. Yeah. Great story. But you know what it does? It really complicates things next year. More pressure on Deshaun Watson next year. More pressure on him. More pressure on the team. Look at what they did without Deshaun Watson. Uh, I'm sure he's happy they lost. This is year three. Yeah. Coming up right. on the five-year fully guaranteed contract, and if he can't stay healthy, if they don't win, I don't know what happens in 2025. They're going to be as much of a wild card in 24 as they were in 23. Going into the season, we're just not going to know what to expect. Yeah. Jim Schwartz will be back. Name hasn't come up yet no, for not coaching have, interviews. It's not, not going, going after to after that. It's not going to after that. And uh, they'll, they'll reload, and they'll have Deshaun Watson, and they'll have Nick Chubb, presumably, if they want to pay him. Contract yeah. goes up next year. But they're going to have some decisions to make, but one of the big ones hovering is what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson. Are we ever going to get a return on this investment? Exactly, right. Is Deshaun Watson ever going to return to what he was, right? I mean, again, it's another year where you go, he didn't play very much football. It's been a long time since he's really gotten a groove of a football season. That worries me. They got a lot of pieces there in Cleveland. We know that. They had some devastating injuries this year, especially on the offensive side of the ball that certainly hurt them. You know, I, I think they're here to stay and going to be a player. But, yeah, you're right. The Watson thing is going to be real. Jim Schwartz has got to go back, too, and reevaluate himself a little. The fact that they come out in the second half and the Texans were throwing the ball on them like that in the first half and there's no adjustment made and they just go, we're going to continue to do what we got torched with in the first half and just keep doing that, that's not always a great thing either. But either way, good year for Cleveland. Way to battle through it with four quarterbacks. The story was awesome. Uh, but, yeah, ends in a disappointing way. Tonight in Tampa, Eagles and Buccaneers. The winning coach Ooh. gets a water pick. The losing coach may yo get a pink ho, slip. Yo, ho, Discuss that next year on PFT Live. All right, tonight, the final game of Super Wild Card Weekend, the Buccaneers hosting the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, there's already been some talk that Todd Bowles' job could be in jeopardy if he doesn't win tonight, which is ridiculous when you think of it. They've won the division two years in a row, but JoeBucksFan.com and Ira Kaufman, who's covered the Bucks forever, I get the impression from listening to them that there may be some smoke there, and we know that the Glazers love a big name. Yeah. There's big names out there. And I wouldn't be surprised. Like a Pete, I could see a Pete Carroll. Mm. I could see them getting smitten with a Pete Carroll. And, you know, Pete is feeling a little bruised right now in the ego department. This is perfect. I go to Tampa, and they roll out the red carpet for him. They want to fill the stadium. I don't know that Pete Carroll fills the stadium, but maybe that's the kind of energy. They always look for the opposite. 
Todd Bowles comes off as very even keeled, Pete Carroll high energy. Maybe that's I just they're going to be infatuated with getting a big name if they lose tonight. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. It, it, it is interesting. I don't know if I totally agree with that, right? I mean, you, you said it. They've won the South twice in a row. I know it's not been overly impressive, right? But one last year, I mean, yeah, they weren't that great. He took over. Uh, they had some injuries. The offensive line was an issue, and they had a 45-year-old quarterback. It all kind of just you know snowballed, and they they you know got to the playoffs, but it wasn't impressive. This year, it is impressive. I mean, this year it's what over 80 million dollars in dead money. It's a quarterback that everybody said isn't that good. Uh, it, it's a lot of guys that kind of came out of nowhere to just go, hey, you know, I'm a player. Look at how Todd Bowles has developed me. Uh, so that's where I'm a little surprised by it. I am because I want to go, man, give Todd a chance to spend some money and see what he can do if they build the team the right way around him. Uh, but it, it does sound like there's a there's a little chance that if it doesn't work out tonight, he's in trouble. And if they do win tonight, don't rule out a repeat of the Lovey Smith, Dirk Cutter inside job. Sorry, Dirk. But uh, Dave Canales, Canales, they could decide we don't want Canales slipping off of the pirate ship. We'll just make him the head coach, which some still think they did eight years ago. When it was lovey. Well, dark. this game too changes, right? I mean, I, I we both picked the Eagles, correct? Yeah. Right. No AJ Brown is a is is changes that aspect. Yeah. Certainly, but no San Francisco if they win. Well, they don't have to go to San Francisco. There, there is light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. You're right about that. It's it was, the Lions. That's this, the problem. This should be interesting. The Buccaneers did not necessarily end the season on a strong no. note. They limped in. Yeah. I mean, they got dominated by the Saints. They didn't play well against the Panthers. And as we know, the Eagles were about as bottom of the barrel as any team in football in December. Here's what we'll do because we don't have a whole lot of time left. I want to dive into Nick. Sirianni's future because there's a lot of smoke there's a lot of confusion there's reasons to say this is crazy but then there's reasons to say maybe it's not let's put a pin in that for a couple of minutes we'll discuss that to wrap up this Monday edition of PFT Live so Nick Sirianni has taken the Eagles to the playoffs three straight years yeah but since starting the season 10 and 1 it has been a debacle. Yeah. They have lost their way. Horrible demeanor, body language, hostage video press conferences. Jalen Hurts isn't what he was last year. A.J. Brown frustrated. Hey, there's Big Dom. Big Dom will be back tonight. His his banishment from the sideline ended with the regular The Big season. Dom bump. I. Some would say, and the Eagles would say, Three straight playoffs, there's no way. But I think what they're trying to do is the opposite of Jerry Jones. They don't want to freak him out. I think that that's why they would say it's crazy to even have the conversation because they don't want to raise questions in the locker room. They don't want doubt to creep in. They want to weather this storm. But if they lose tonight, they are the better team. Yeah. If they lose tonight yeah. and Belichick is out there. Right. Brave and the Cowboys there. may go after Belichick. Right, right. And this is your chance. Again, this gets simple when you think about it. Greatest coach in the history of the NFL other than Don Shula, arguably, is available to anyone who wants him. Yep. How is that not a factor when your team is kind of teetering? I, I hear you. And we're seeing where, I, I mean, we, we've talked about a few teams already. The Buccaneers, the Cowboys. When ownership and the GM have an expectation of where that team should be or where they should exceed to, 
they don't give a damn what you've done. If they go, wait, that was really good, but we thought you should have been here. And the current life in the NFL is your ass can get fired after that. And that's incredible. It is. But, yes, it's falling apart there in Philadelphia. I understand the questions. Now, some of it's not his doing either. The defensive coordinator things and not his doing. But, you know, again, he's an offensive coach. Shane Steichen's not there, and then there's the offensive issues on top of that, let alone the management of the team, I think, has not been top-notch. Yeah, and I, you know, play-calling duties go from Sean Desai to Matt Patricia. It may not be Brian Johnson is fully in charge of the offense like we were yeah, led to believe. Yeah, maybe not. So, I, big I, night. Th- this is a big night for both coaches. Big day for football. Steelers-Bills at 4.30. Bucks Eagles at eight o'clock. Bills win an ugly twenty four ten type That's of game. That's the score I picked. Right? Somewhere and then in that the Eagles range. Win. Eagles win a close one. Yep. See, See you tomorrow.